Hola, boys and squirrels. I got a snow day today, so what else am I going to do but record a podcast? And today I'm going to be telling the greatest story in Oswald. And it's not because of my abilities to tell stories, but it is, in my opinion, quite literally, the greatest story. And you might be sitting there saying, no way, man. Canoeing trip, summer of 2012, Donnie flipped the canoe. So funny. Okay, that might be a funny story, might be a good story, but it is not the greatest story in all the world. This story in Eastern Europe, 1914. That date might trigger something in all you history nerds' brains. 1914, global event that happens, yes. But I want to dive deeper. I want to tell this story and I want to consider what are the implications on two things. One, the timeline and the story of history. This has an incredible impact. Again, over 100 million people are going to die because of this story. And two, how does this represent uh, philosophically phenomenons in our life? If you hear nails on the ground, that's because my dogs are just already restless laying next to me. They're bored. Maybe you're bored. Go ahead and stop listening. If not, tune in. Tis the greatest story in all the world. This episode of Those Who Wonder is brought to you by coffee. So, flashback to reality. Europe, late 19th century. The map looks different than it does today. Germany's a lot larger. There's a country, a state, nation, whatever you want to call it, Austria-Hungary. And then the Ottoman Empire. So we have like three large players. I mean, Germany, we'd consider Western Europe today. But you have these larger players, right? Austria, Hungary, and Ottoman Empire. And go to the Treaty of Berlin in 1878. Austria, Hungary is going to get some new territory. And this state, Serbia, is going to become a sovereign state. And everything's cool. So from 1878 to about 1903, things are cool. And then all of a sudden you're going to have this Serbian nationalists who are going to come in and they were going to revolt against the monarch of Serbia and they're going to uh, form a new dynasty, if you will, and they're going to have some issues with this whole territory stuff. They want to make Serbia great again. They want to bring it back to when they were at their peak in the 14th century. right? And so we have conflict between Serbia and Austria-Hungary. This is called context, folks. The story hasn't even really begun. 1903 is when you start to have some conflict between Austria-Hungary and Serbia. 1913, Archduke Franz Ferdinand is ordered. He's the heir to the Austria-Hungarian throne. That's my puppy. He's the heir to the Austria-Hungarian throne. And he's ordered to uh, observe some military maneuvers in Bosnia. And he says, you know what? This is a great opportunity. I'm going to bring my wife, Sophie, who is not of royal descent. I'm going to bring my wife, Sophie. We're actually going to be able to go out in public. The only time they can ever be in public is when there's it's in some sort of, some, uh, sort of military capacity. right? So he and Sophie, they're going to go to Bosnia. They're going to go to Sarajevo. They're going to open up a museum. They're going to do a nice little parade. They're going to sit in a convertible and be in public. What a beautiful, beautiful moment. Except for the Serbians. There's a terrorist group called the Black Hand, which is a pretty good name. They're going to hear about this plan, and they are going to make a plan of their own. So now this is when the story begins. June 28th, 1914. Before I get into the real story, I'd like to have a disclaimer. If at any point you hear nails on a hardwood floor, those are my dogs. 
Listen, folks, I'm just a common man. I can't afford to have like a studio. <laughs> my dog is not. Gonna, my dog's trying to get up on the seat. Cricket. I'm a common man, folks. I can't just afford a studio that's soundproofed and dogproof. I gotta roll with the puppies while I tell this story. I'm a teacher. This is a snow day. This ain't my real job. This ain't my day job. I'm doing this for fun. But this is real business. <laughs> so, June 28th, 1914. Sarajevo. Franz Ferdinand and his wife Sophie. It's actually their 14th anniversary. The route in which they're going to be driving is going to be published in the newspapers. Six men of the Black Hand Terrorist Group are going to line up on a road in which they know that the Franz, the Franz, the Archduke and his wife are going to be driving on. They're going to be armed with guns, pistols, bombs, which I assume are grenades, early version of grenades. So you, imagine this. So you got a road, you got a river, and then you got a road going along the river. And you got uh, three cars, I believe, in a caravan. They're going to be driving down in Franz Ferdinand and his wife are going to be in a convertible just waving to the crowd. Smile and wave, boys. Right? And you got six guys lined up. All waiting for their opportunity to kill Franz Ferdinand. That's the playing field. That's what we got. So the car's going by. First guy. Car goes by. Bails. Can you judge him? It's probably... The most stressful moment, I mean, if I were to be waking up tomorrow and someone's like, yo, you got to kill Archduke Franz Ferdinand, that's going down as the most stressful moment of my life. Bails. No judgment. Second guy. Bails. No judgment. I might judge the third guy. And this is what happens. When you shoot the shot, then all of a sudden, you're opening yourself up to being judged. Maybe that's why people don't shoot their shot. But this guy's going to shoot. He's going to take the bomb, grenade. He's going to throw it. It's going to hit the back of Franz's car. Franz is going to drive off, and the guy forgets that the grenade is timed, I suppose. And the grenade blows up under the car that was trailing behind Franz's car, which is going to injure about 16 to 20 people. This guy's then, and this is where the judgment comes in. The first one, you shoot your shot, you miss. You know, that was like your buzzer beater opportunity to go down in history. And he would have. And he's still going to go down in history, and it's for this unfortunate moment. Um, he's going to swallow a cyanide pill, and he's going to jump into the river. But the river's only a few centimeters deep at this time of the season, so what he really does is just sprains his ankles, and he just ends up vomiting because of the pill. So, again, just put yourself in this guy's shoes. The peak moment in his life, he decides, I'm going to do it. Throws a grenade messes up he's about to kill himself so like this is it this is the end of this man's life swallows the pill jumps into the river it ends up that he just pretty much sprains or breaks both of his ankles is vomiting into the river people just pull him out and start beating him to death but he doesn't die they're going to take him to jail so that man now goes down in history as missing the buzzer beater shot bummer one of those six men his name is Gavrilo Princip, and he's a Serbian nationalist, and he was near the end of the line, and he misses the opportunity because the third guy messed up. He didn't get to do it. So Gavrilo Princip, or Franz Ferdinand, is just going to drive off, right? He's going to go to the town hall of Sarajevo. Gavrilo Princip, either motivated by hunger or motivated by the desire to kill, is going to go to, let's say, uh coffee shop, sandwich shop, a deli, hoping that maybe if Franz drives back in this direction, I'll have an opportunity to kill him. So he walks off. Franz Ferdinand drives to the town hall. There are notes that say Franz Ferdinand is just visibly shaken, which obviously someone just tossed a grenade at him with his wife. Again, this again, this is their anniversary, 14th anniversary, and this is how they're spending it. It was supposed to be a nice day. They're going to be in public for the few times they can actually do that. That's Cricket. That's my dog. <laughs> and now, this is happening. Like, someone just tried to kill him. 
Anyway, so he gets his speech. It was in the card that blew up, so there's blood on it. He gives his speech and then actually thanks the people that are supporting that he's not dead. And then they call an audible. And he says, you know what would make me look good? I think I'm going to go to the hospital and visit the 16 to 20 people that got injured. So they decide a new route. They take the cars, but no one's going to tell the driver the specific route that he's supposed to take. Minor detail. So they're driving back down to the hospital. The driver's going to make a wrong turn. The driver's going to make a wrong turn. Someone tells the driver, hey man, you messed up. We're not going down this road. You gotta turn around, we're gonna go to the next one. He puts the car, first stops the car, goes to put it in reverse. Again, we're dealing with 1914. Cars are fairly new, a little junky. Car stalls out a little bit. The guy goes to put it in reverse. Guess who is right there? Gavrilo Princip. Gavrilo Princip's going to walk out, shoot Franz Ferdinand, and shoot his wife. The story is told that Franz is saying, Sophie, Sophie, think of the children as she's bleeding out. He's bleeding out. He's saying, I'm fine, I'm fine. But he's not fine. He's going to die. Gavrilo Princip, a Serbian nationalist, has just assassinated the heir to the Austro-Hungarian throne and his wife on their anniversary. Minor story, right? How many how many people have been assassinated in the history of mankind? Uh, so some there are going to be some events that follow. It's called the July Crisis. Austria-Hungary is going to give 10 ultimatums to Serbia. They're designed to be unacceptable in hopes that Serbia won't meet those ultimatums and therefore Austria-Hungary is going to go to war with Serbia, which they do. They declare war on Serbia. Serbia has an alliance with Russia. Russia then declares war on Austria-Hungary. Germany has an alliance with Austria-Hungary is going to declare war on Russia. They're also going to threaten France and say, please stay out of this, but also... Side note, for about 10 years, they've been planning what's called the Schlieffen Plan. Very Deutsch. The Schlieffen Plan. And that is a, it's almost like a hammer. They're going to swing in and just take out France. So for about 10 years, they've been planning on this. But no better opportunity than now. So they also declare war on Germany. or Sorry, on France. And Britain declares war on Germany because they have an alliance with France. So folks, we are now into World War I. Think about it like this. Go back to your high school drama. You might not have beef with Susie, but Susie has beef with Samantha, and you're friends with Samantha. So now you've decided, we're not talking to Susie anymore. Susie wasn't talking to your boyfriend, she was talking to Samantha's boyfriend, but you're friends with Samantha. Therefore, you have beef with Susie. Therefore, high school World War I. And World War I is going to happen, I'm not going to get into a whole lot of details, but it's going to be very bloody. The tactics do not meet with the technology. We're going to have what's called trench warfare. You have machine guns. Tanks are going to be developed. They're going to start to utilize planes in war. The Germans are going to use poisonous gas. It's going to go on for four years. Russia is going to fall. They're going to bail out. They're going to have a revolution of their own. They're going to become those gosh darn commies in the Soviet Union. 37 million people are going to die because of World War I. It ends in 1918 with the Treaty of Versailles, which is going to just completely wreck Germany. They're going to blame Germany. Er, they're going to... What's the word I'm trying to think of? They're going to blame. I said blame. They're going to blame all the problems. This is primarily France, but blame all the problems on Germany. Meanwhile, it all started with one guy or a group from Serbia assassinating a guy from Austria-Hungary. But blame it on Germany. Which, Germany, during the war, it is... It's pretty much Germany versus the world. Not literally, but... In this sense, yeah. So, they're go Germany has to reduce their borders. They can't develop a military. They have to pay back billions of dollars, which they don't have because they spent it all on a war. Uh, so that's going to be a problem for Germany. 
Not only that, also Ottoman Empire is going to lose World War One. So then you're going to have Britain starts to get some of the ter that territory that the Ottoman Empire happened, uh, which is right around Palestine. That's going to come up in a little bit. So after World War One, the Treaty of Versailles, Germany is going to go into a severe, severe depression. They're going to experience hyperinflation, as in like one mark in 1918, which is their currency. Is going to be is going to inflate all the way up to like a hundred million marks in five years so what can you buy for a dollar let's say a pack of gum which now that's not even the case but a pack of gum you would need a hundred million dollars for a pack of gum so that's like the level of depression that germany's going through they have communism this stuff starts to come into play in german history a lot of inner turmoil and conflict. And then you're gonna have this veteran who fought in World War One, who is a nationalist. And he's going to say, remember when life was good? Remember when Germany was great? Let's do that. Let's bring that back. I know how I can blame all of our problems or who to blame it on, the Jew. And people are like, mm, okay, maybe the Jew, but I do like the whole part about make America, oh, sorry, make Germany great again. Again, also, I'm not comparing Trump to this guy at all. The theme of like, let's make blank great again is pretty much a like go-to for any politician. Let's remember the glory days, even though there's ne they're never as good as we remember, but that's a whole side note. Anywho, this politician starts to raise, rise in the ranks and he's like, you know what? Remember the good old days when our borders were bigger? Let's do that. So this guy, Adolf Hitler, politician, he's going to start to expand the borders. He wants to get all those ethnic Deutschlandiers, Germans, under the territory. And... England and France like, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. They say back to the Treaty of Versailles, like, you can't do that. Sorry. Remember the treaty? And Hitler's like, oh, yeah, my bad. Oh, wait, just real quick. And just, like, snags a little bit more territory. Like, And then England and France like, stop. Seriously, you can't do that. There was like, yeah, yeah, no problem. Sorry. Oh, wait, just mm, grabs a little bit more. Chamberlain is going to go talk to Hitler, come back. So, like, yo, I talked to the guy. Nothing to worry about, folks. It's all taken care of. And then Germany's going to invade Poland. And then, boom, World War II. And again, not going to go into a whole lot of detail for World War II. But you got the Holocaust. A predetermined, purposeful attempt at exterminating a specific group of people. Which, I'm not making light, I'm not just trying to gloss over it, I am very intrigued by the Holocaust, there will be far more discussions about this and the psychology behind it, but for the sake of what we're trying to talk about here, we're going to move on. The Holocaust, Imperial Japan, the United States is going to get involved, Pearl Harbor, D-Day, the atomic bomb. 85 million people are going to die. So we're now at over 100 million people. World War II ends. We go right into the Cold War. America's duty to fight communism. And we go to pretty far extents to do that, right? Korean War. You got Vietnam. You have the Soviets trying to go in Afghanistan, and therefore the United States starts to become more, a little bit more involved in Afghanistan. Vietnam's going to lead to, or be one of the causes for the counterculture movement. Hippies, LSD, marijuana, Nixon. This distrust of the government starts to develop in the United States. All these things are happening during the Cold War. Reagan, war on drugs, bringing it back. Right? And so I ask you, let's just go to modern day. What if the driver never made the wrong turn? Yes, we're going back to June 28th, 1914. The driver is not told of the specific route and he makes a wrong turn. And he makes a wrong turn. 
Gavrilo Princip is right there. What if he makes the wrong turn and someone's like, yo, you made a wrong turn, but don't worry about it, just make the right here and then we'll get there. He, he stops, he stops the car, goes to put it in reverse. Gavrilo Princip is right there. What if he makes the wrong turn, but Gavrilo Princip is a block over, he's at the other sandwich shop. Take a moment and think about that. Think about the story, again, the little details, the failed assassination attempt, Franz Ferdinand goes, gives a speech, Gavrilo Princip goes to another location, they go back, the driver makes a wrong turn right to the location where Gavrilo Princip is, they stop, like, almost right in front of Gavrilo Princip, and he kills Franz Ferdinand and his wife, that leads to World War One. that leads to Treaty Versailles, which is going to wreck Germany, out of the ashes of Germany rises a politician who wants to make Germany great again and also exterminate an entire group of people. Because of World War I, you're going to have Russia, not because, it maybe would have happened inevitably, inevitably, but Russia falls, the Soviet Union forms up, so now you have communism really starting to turn global. The Holocaust, World War II, Soviet Union's rising up, after World War, the atomic bomb, after World War II, we go to a space race. We're like, screw it. We got to go to the moon. We go to the moon. Think of all the technology that has developed because of the go us going to the moon. Computers, calculators. Now we're going to Mars. Tanks, machine guns. Like when military developments happen, that leads to developments in like, everyday life so where we are currently at technology wise the wars helped sad enough vietnam all this stuff is dependent on a one man making a wrong turn this is called the butterfly effect i love thinking about it if you know me there's a very good chance i've already talked about the butterfly effect but I figured this is one of my go-to's so I do a podcast about it but again think about this let's think about this in this context of the story we're talking about one man makes a wrong turn that leads to the holocaust humans getting to the moon the atomic bomb and everything else in between now you could say well, World War One was inevitable. Yes, it was. Maybe. Let's just assume it was. But maybe World War One happens 10 years later. Five years later. Hitler's going to get injured in World War One. What if, because things are different, the battles line up differently? Hitler fights in World War One and dies. So all I'm saying is, the moment the man makes the wrong turn... Things in history are starting to get line up. And hindsight is 2020, as they like to say. Hindsight's 2020. So we look at all these things, and you could say it happened, bring it all the way back because a man made a wrong turn. And then, like, what? Then because that guy's parents met. If someone else were driving, like how how far you want to go back? This is gonna go all the way back to the beginning of the universe. That's the butterfly effect. Every, the present is a product of what I call the tide of the time. The present, almost anything has roots. It has a story. It is the way it is because of things that have happened. Few things are random. And even when something random happens, like a guy making a wrong turn, that then lays down a foundation. So again, like, here's a personal story. I'm in college, freshman year of college, there's this honey walking around, her name's Kendra. She's a cutie. She's no clue who I am. She's my campus crush. So I like anytime I'm walking by on campus and she's there, I feel those butterflies, all that good stuff. I cease to be speaking to friends and just observe in a non-creepy way from a distance. Freshman year goes by, sophomore year. 
I'm in between classes. I got about an hour. So naturally, what do I do? I go to take a nap. I wake up about like five minutes after when I th- was supposed to wake up. Grab my longboard, grab my backpack, start running down the hall. I got nap lines on my face. My hair's a mess. Push the button for the elevator. Now, this story's actually disputed between Kendra and myself, but the doors open up in my story. The doors open up and there's Kendra. Just her and I. Me and her. Her and me. I don't care. Go in there. I'm all awkward. So like, hi, my name's Sean. Like, shake her hand. Talk about laundry, whatever. Leave. About like two or three weeks later, my ice hockey team is having a date night. I decide to go out on a limb, ask her out on a date. Because I then introduce myself to her. Things lead to things. We get married. What happens if... I didn't sleep in five extra minutes of my nap. Kendra goes to do laundry. I go to class as a good student. Our lives go on. Maybe some guy asks her out and I never get my chance. Like we're cur- so we're currently married. So assuming we'll have kids, those the existence, the dependency of existence for those kids is on me sleeping in five minutes on a nap and Kendra going to do laundry and those elevator doors opening up. Like, they will not exist if that doesn't happen. And therefore, they won't exist, their kids won't exist, their kids' kids won't exist. So that's just, like, my story. So now let's go back to, like, my descendant, or my ancestry. How many of those stories exist how many elevator stories have to happen in order for me to exist like one a generation every single story everyone has their story of how they met right and the story is a story and that decides like the next phase of life or the next phase of time Or at least the next phase of time can't happen unless what has just happened has happened. So we're going, like, I don't know how many generations since the beginning of humanity have been around since I now exist, but it's 2019. So I'm going to assume a lot have to happen. A lot of things have to happen exactly the way they happened in order for me to exist. In order for you to exist. In order for this microphone to exist. In order for cars to exist. In order for the United States to be one of an empire. In order for the internet. All of these things are dependent, specifically dependent, and can be cited back to a moment in time. And we're talking, it has to be trillions of moments in time which lead up to this specific moment. That's the moment. Now let's think about the future. I call it, the, like again, I said this before, but the tide of time. Go back to 1914. And let's pretend you are a fine young French boy. The ripe age of 17 or 18 years old. You're living your life. You're eating baguettes. Playing the accordion. I'm totally stereotyping. But you're alive, you're bo- let, let's say you're born in 1896. You are 18 on June 28th, 1914. Across Europe, in a random town, men you have never met, men you might not even know about, one guy kills another guy, and now... Your fate has been decided as an 18-year-old French boy or man, whatever you want to call it. Across Europe, one guy killed another guy. And because of that, 37 million people are going to die just from World War I. Think about this. The 18-year-old kid in France has no control But there's something, there's a power beyond him that has led him to his death. And there's, 
Maybe there is something you can do about it. You'd be like, well, don't fight. Like, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> Tell the 18-year-old French kid, well, everyone's going to fight. Like, yeah, no, you don't have to do that. Like, yeah, uh, technically you don't have to. But you kind of have to. And you kind of want to. Because not only did this thing happen, one guy assassinates another, but a lot of Europeans at this time were what we call nationalists. So they're pretty, like, they're excited. They think the war is going to be over in, like, a year. Because, like, oh, well, obviously we're going to win. Like, they want to be a part of this. So Gavrilo Princip assassinates Franz Ferdinand. This dude in France is walking to his death. He, this is an obvious logical statement, but, like, he would not have died the way he died if Gavrilo Princip didn't kill Franz Ferdinand. If this man didn't make a wrong turn. This this 18-year-old, what's a French name? I don't know. Goodness gracious. Francois. (laughs) Francois isn't dead. He's going to live his life. He's going to live to be, what? I don't know, 63. That's decent. But no, now he's going to willingly, for the most part, run run right in front of some machine guns and just die on a field in France. And that's it. That's the story. It's the tide of time. There are things that happen in history that we're just a part of. I, you have no control over this. This 18-year-old Francois, does ha- he has zero control over Gavrilo Princip assassinating Archduke Franz Ferdinand. And yet, this is the root of his death. And all the events that have happened prior to my birth have led up to the world being the way it was in 1993. I mean, you start to get a headache when you think about like all, let's just go to the roots of Archduke Franz Ferdinand dying and this guy making a wrong turn. A hundred million people die. Okay. Not downplaying that, but. Over 100 million people died just from World War One and World War Two, the Cold War. Because of the Cold War, Vietnam, counterculture movement, distrust of the government, the technology that developed, computers. Like think about it. computers now have a root to a man making a wrong turn. So the world I'm born in 1993, I have zero control over. It is what it is. I'm just born into it, right? And because the present is dependent on the past, that means that the past has an influence in where the present is going to be going into the future. And therefore, there's a direction. Let's, like inertia, whatever you want to call it, there's a direction of time. And you're born into it, and you ride the wave. Or even think about if you've been in the ocean. If you're on a surfboard, think about it like this. I don't know how many of you surf, but when you go out and you surf, if you just sit on your board and you don't paddle, I mean, you get through the waves, you don't paddle, give it 30 minutes, you're 100 yards down the beach. Right? The ocean is moving. Now, I have the ability to fight it and, like, paddle a little bit, depending on how strong it is. Like, if it's so strong that I'm paddling and I'm just going backwards, it's out of my control. I'm Francois right there. I'm going right into the jetty. That's the same thing with history. You're out in the ocean, you're on a board, and maybe you can do a little bit. Maybe you can move. And we'll talk about that in a second. But there is something that is pretty... Now, again, that tide, that goes all... Like, follow the tide. Let's rewind. Like, take a molecule of water. And yeah, I call it water, not water. I'm from the Philly area deal with it so this molecule of water i believe the number is it takes like a thousand years for the water to make its full cycle around the planet so a thousand years in the making has led up to that moment of that specific level or force of tide in the ocean and you are there at that moment as well and it's pushing you in a direction it's beyond you there's nothing you can do you're francois whether you like it or not and this leads to uh, 
I suppose a final point, and it's this concept or philosophical discussion of free will versus predestination. Let's say you're Francois. How much control over that do you actually have? Again, you could say, well, he could have chosen not to fight. Yes. Technically, that is true. He could, in the end, say, I'm not doing it. But also, like, let's be real. Millions of people are going to go fight. Your neighbors, your friends at school are going to go fight. Yeah, you have the, I suppose, a free will. But also, do you even? Why... Why would someone choose not to fight? Do they have parents who are uh, pacifists? That's not in their control. That's not in their control at all. I'm born into a family that are pacifists and therefore I'm not fighting. I didn't decide that. I didn't decide who my parents were. Someone, let's, let's just go through the reasons why someone would genuinely be a pacifist at that time. Religion, which again, that's a tide of time. I don't decide when I'm born, I don't say, okay, here's what it is. And I don't like write the book. The book has already been written. And depending on how the religion played the fields, if we want to think of it like that, like Islam versus Christianity, whatever you want to say, what area, because Islam almost spread into Europe, like it got to Spain, and then like it got fought back, so like Europe's Christian, so I'm, if you're born into Europe at that time, like you're a Christian, that's beyond your control, and perhaps you're a sect of Christianity or denomination that's a pacifist, beyond your control, you didn't decide that, you're just born into this, and either you believe it or not. So that's one reason. What would be other reasons? You just are rebellious? Where does that come from? Is that nature or nurture? Is that genetic? Because if that's genetic, then that's not in your control. Were you raised to question things? Because that's not in your control. Let's even say when you were uh, 14 years old, someone hands you a book that's about like being a pacifist. That's not in your control. Someone handed you the book. Now, what is in, in your control? You can get the book. What's in your control once you get the book? Let's say you decide to read it. Okay, you made that decision. It made an impact on you. I don't. I do not know if that's free will, if that's predetermination or predestination. Also, if you hear some noise outside, that's ice hitting the house. That's why I have a snow day. Is that, is that an example of free will? You get a book, you just, someone hands you a book, you have the choice to read it or not. You decide to read it, it makes an impact on you. I don't even, see, I don't even know if it making an impact on you is free will or not. Why do I, why do I like certain types of music? Well, my dad was a fan of like rock and roll, Grateful Dead, Steely Dan. That has impacted the music that I like. So I hear a song... I immediately respond to it instinctually, whether and I like it or I don't like it. Is that free will? I don't know. Does that book that talks about pacifism or whatever, is that my free will to respond to it? Or is there just like it, instinctually, it makes sense to me or not? Why does art stand out to some people and not others? So what is in, in your control? Let's say 1914, this is happening. You're out in the ocean. You're on your surfboard. This tide is strong. Very strong. As in, you are going towards the jetty. And to be honest, there's nothing you can do about it. Let's even say you refuse to fight. And you're just sitting at your house. And your house gets blown up by artillery shells. There's nothing you can do about it. So what can you control? 
I guess you can go into the jetty with a smile. Enjoy the view while you have it. You can choose to give up. <laughs> and choose to give in to predestination. I'm sure, again, some of you might be sitting there like, no, you have more control than that. Yeah, I'm talking about like, this is an extreme example of predestination because like this is a very strong tide. Let's think about our everyday lives. I wake up, I can choose what time to wake up a little bit. I have to be at work. I try to be at work around seven. So I leave for work at 6.15. Maybe it was my choice to take that job, perhaps love the job. So I'm not like downplaying that at all. But I, there are influences and then there's my reaction. And I personally view the only thing you really have control over is your mind to an extent, your actions. Again, to an extent. Why was Francois a nationalist? Because that's just what happened to be popular at the time. So I choose to wake up. I choose to wake up early. That's a choice. Driving. I choose to speed or not. I choose if someone cuts me off. I have the choice to. Again, that's predestination. I don't know when that guy woke up. I don't know how fast that guy was driving. But in that very specific moment in time, butterfly effect, that man pulled out in front of me out of my control. What free will do I have? Slam on the brakes? That'd probably be instinct. I don't know. I can choose to curse him out or I can choose to just let it go. What are we currently experiencing for the tide of time? Right? Currently, and this is another thing, we might have our, like, and I'm not, this isn't a doomsday prediction, but you never know. Tomorrow might be June 28th, 1914. Something goes down. And that's it. The tide has therefore just been and it's it's strong and there's nothing you can do tomorrow today in an hour who knows but what is the current tide of time what are we experiencing trump the election of 2016 whether you like trump or not i guess for me that was so far out of my control like i cannot stand in front of the United States and say like this is the way I want it to be and then it goes that way like it doesn't matter what I think now I can like show up to rallies I can do what I want I can choose to do things but there are just things that are going to happen that are out of my control like this election out of my control even the candidates for the election out of my control probably wouldn't have picked either of them to get go back to the intro hopefully we don't get political in this political environment I'm just saying not my decision of the choices but then I gotta make a choice not my decision regardless of who wins it's a collective thing how many people got caught up in the tide for that election hindsight looking back Would they change their decision? If that's the case, then like they were caught up in the tide of time. We're all caught up in the tide of time. Part of why we do history is to try to predict hindsight. You step out of it. You step out of the tide of time because when you're doing history, you're observing something for what it is. Like You can't be involved in it emotionally. You can only observe it for what it is. So like that when you do history, I, that's my main argument for history. It's a practice. So present day, you can step back and look at what's currently going on and predict where is the tide taking us? And your free will is how you handle it. So, I mean, the election of 2016, that's an example. iPhones, that's an example. Robots. That's another example. I have zero control over robots. 
A lot of people are bugging out, like robots are going to be the destruction of us. Perhaps, and there's pretty much nothing I can personally do about it. I can't, again, like, take a microphone, say, hi, my name is Sean Stevenson, I think this robots thing is a bad idea. And everyone's like, it shall be done. <laughs> and just, like, remove the robots. That's not going to happen. I could, like, again, go to rallies, I could vote for perhaps something I could like boycott anything with robots like that's my that's my contribution but there are just things that are going to happen and are happening in our lifetime that are out of your control artificial intelligence let's just start dropping some YouTube social media Mumble rap. Out of my control. My addiction to coffee. In my control. <laughs> and this is I. This is the last thing. Because we're running out of time. I'm trying to shoot for like an hour. Think about the level of impact that one man had. Between Gavrilo Princip and the dude that made the wrong turn. Would you want that? Do you want to be able to have that much impact? Do you want your decisions to potentially cause the death of a hundred million people? Like the dude made a wrong turn. How many wrong turns do I make in a year? Now, obviously, I'm not driving an heir to a throne in my car. But, like, imagine that. You made a wrong turn. And that leads to over 100 million people dying. Like, do you want that? I personally do not. Because I'm not smart enough or wise enough to, like, have my decisions impact that. But there are random people in history that just get this window of opportunity and power. Adolf Hitler... Stalin, President Trump, this is a single man who has great influence. And what does that do to humans? I ask this question a lot. Like, imagine if you had the ability to have that level of impact. Or even, let's say, this is kind of different, but like, you have that level of impact with no uh, repercussion. Would you be a good person? Would you make the correct decisions? And what if you make? What if you think you're making the correct decisions? You think you're doing the right thing, and then it ends up hindsight. Whoops! I just did something that has led to like the invention. Who? The invention of artificial intelligence, or like the invention of Facebook. Mark Zuckerberg probably did not think that it was going to be the way it is today, and who knows? Hindsight, maybe he would change it. The guy just wanted to make a buck. Or a few billion. But like now look at it. And now look at what it's doing to our society. Good or bad. Like would you want that? If you're if you're doing something even you think is good. Do you want to be able to influence society to that extreme? As one person. Personally, I say nay. Personally, I'm kind of just chilling on my board. Letting tide take me. I'm paddling. I'm considering it a workout. I embrace the tide. I'm resisting the tide. Makes my arms hurt. I like it. Catch a wave. While I'm not catching a wave, I'm sitting next to my dad on a surfboard talking. I'm looking at the ocean. I'm thinking about life. And all the while, the tide is moving me. And that's cool. I don't want to decide where the tide's going. That's predestination. That's going to lead to, that could lead to another discussion. Taoism in the way. But think about the butterfly effects. And try to, this would be like an ancestry.com thing. Like go back to all, it's impossible, but just take five minutes and think about all the things that have to happen exactly the way they happen in order for you first to exist 
and then look back at your life and think about all the things that have happened that have brought you to riding in a car or sitting in your kitchen or do whatever it is you're doing listening to my voice right now that's the butterfly effect and then where are you going where's the tide taking you and even the tide of your personal life like all your past decisions impact where you're going. Like for me, I decided to major in history. I decided to go to Maasai College. Uh, a little bit into freshman year, I decided I think I'm going to add, or might have been sophomore year, I decided I'm going to add a teaching certificate to this. All those past decisions have now impacted, like I live in Harrisburg, I'm married to Kendra, I have two dogs, I'm a teacher in Pennsylvania, I grew up in New Jersey. My life is moving in a direction. Your life is moving in a direction. Individually and collectively, we're moving in a direction. Only hindsight's going to tell us where we're going. It might be good, it might be bad. Your history might be good or might be bad. Same for me. So your homework for today is two things. I guess three things. One, think about where we are collectively as a present and what has led to this. You need to know your history. I'm not saying like all the facts, but have some general context. Where are we going? How do you feel about where we're going? What can you do? That does not mean like go to rallies and in my opinion, it means like hold the door open for someone and smile. But if you want to go to rallies, go for Yeah, do it. Do it up. I might go to a rally if it were the right cause. Where are we going? Where are you going? In your life. All the things that have ever happened have led to this exact moment. And where is it taking you? And decide how much of it is the tide. And how much ability do you have to choose the place you want to be? Like maybe. If the tide is taking you 100 yards down the beach. Maybe it's because you're letting it. Maybe you don't. Maybe the tide is weak enough where, like, you can decide, no, I want to be there. And, like, it's obviously it's work. You're going to work out your arms. It gets exhausting. Your neck starts to hurt. If you're, if you're familiar with surfing. And then you got to, like, you want to be in the spot, but the tide's constantly moving. So you got to, like, continuously work to be at that spot. What's it going to take? And then the last thing. What was the last thing? Oh. Just to reflect... How much influence do you actually want on history? People want like power and glory. They want to have an impact. And all of a sudden they get power and then look what happens. What movie is it? What movie is that where it's either a, you either die what is it? You like die early enough to be a hero or you live long enough to see yourself as the villain? <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. June 28th, 1914. Sarajevo. A very small moment in history. And it is the greatest story in all the world. Peace.